This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. We never got going. That, that, that's right. And as I said before, we, in the other games that we conceded the first goal, we've actually started pretty well and played pretty well. But this one, we didn't start until 2-0. And that's something we need to, to address uh, even more. Of course, we've addressed it. Of course, we've spoken about it. We didn't perform as a, uh, as a team well enough. And that's, uh, that's always the, the manager's uh, responsibility. We did everything that we normally do uh, in preparation, the video meetings, the training session, recoveries with all the games we've got. Of course, we, we know that everyone wants to be up for a game like this. Everyone's ready for a game like this. I think back and I look at, uh, look at this season and I look at the players and I actually admire them for being uh, as ready as they are at times. Today, it just didn't work for us. It's, it is a difficult season. It is, there are difficult circumstances this year. And of course we were up for it. And the character and effort, I can't fault. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer speaking after Man United were defeated in Germany and relegated to the Europa League. On the ball with me, Ross, on a Friday evening. It's a, it's a close and intimate show tonight. Just the three of us. Just the three of us. You get, no, I won't, I won't do that. I won't. Um, Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. And Des Corkill. He might start singing soon. Hi, Des. I, I will sing later on. I'm in a good mood. <laughs> oh, it should be a great show. As usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio on Twitter. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And we have a YouTube channel up. It's TFIF on video. Do check it out. Right, let's clear up the midweek Champions League. Uh, biggest result, I guess, was the Man United one. We heard Ole at the start. United failed to progress from Group H after winning the first two games comfortably. Um in the end, conceding twice inside 13 minutes to leave the hopes in tatters, Bob Holmes. Yes, uh, an absolute debacle, uh, wasn't it? I mean, it, uh, it doesn't seem very long ago since they beat Leipzig 5-0, hammered them. And uh, they were top of the league. They were in pole position to go through with maximum points. And they go and blow it. Um, I mean... It came incrementally. I mean, they stuffed up in Istanbul for a start, didn't they? They stuffed up against uh, PSG in the second uh, game. And then uh, this week, biggest uh, debacle of the lot. So so those three matches you just mentioned there, Bob, would you put all three faults to Ole's Ole's name there? Yes, I'm, I'm afraid he has to take some of the blame for all three. Yeah. He does. I know we had a debate on here a week or so ago and uh, a couple of United fans fiercely defended him. <laughs> no. but, uh, it's a pity they're not on tonight no. um, because I don't see how you can defend him. I mean, he's a nice guy and, and he, he gets the club. He plays attacking football. He promotes youngsters. He ticks all those boxes. But is he any good at a, as a top level manager? Yeah. I mean, his, his only previous experience was at Cardiff and they went down. I mean, OK, he didn't have the best of hands there, but I mean, he didn't uh, look as if he was a potential manager of one of the great clubs of the world. Nowhere near. 
And he suddenly, he did a great job as caretaker, but I think you're now seeing with his tactics, particularly in defense, I mean, was there any defending? It looked like social distancing to me, especially one Bissaka. I mean, what was he doing? Yeah. And a Luke Shaw, I mean, he played two left backs. I mean, he didn't play them both at left back, but let, there were two left backs I on know. the field. Let, let, let's just bring Des into this. Des, pre-match, Ole came out and said, of course we're going there to attack. It's in our DNA. We don't know how to defend. We don't know how to play for a draw. So come to match day, five defenders fielded, two holding midfielders, and they concede two in 13 minutes. And, and the goals, as Bob mentioned, were, were laughable, really. So I'm going to defend Ole Gunnar Solskjaer here because what is your right back, your right wing back doing level with his own six-yard box? How if you've got five along the back and these two defensive midfielders, are you allowing the opposition left back to be completely and totally unmarked? Solskjaer has not said to his team beforehand, just defend one side of the penalty area, leave their left back to come forward unmarked free. He has not said that. That is individual responsibility. Lindelof is taking care of the man. Wambisaka comes over, doubles up on the man. Wambisaka leaves his player unmarked. That's an individual error. Goal number two, exactly the same. Tellez is coming in. The goal is volleyed in from level with the back post. You've got a five-man defence who are defending so narrow that they are leaving overlaps behind them. Midfielders not tracking back. That is not a coaching situation. That is individual players not taking responsibility. The goal against Istanbul was the classic example. You cannot blame Olegona Solskjaer. If Olegona Solskjaer said to the Man United team, everybody up in the opposition penalty area, completely leave that international striker, Demba Bar, alone with nobody near him for 20, uh, 20 yards and let him score, well, then I can blame Solskjaer. <laughs> without, without that, if he has not said that, you look at the individuals on that pitch and you go, what the heck? Well, what exactly. Are you doing? The individuals on the pitch. You would have picked, you wouldn't, you would have, might have picked a more attacking team, Ross, but you look at those players, you go, okay, yeah, capable. McTominay's uh, agreed. Well. Agreed. Is good. Tellez is good. As a, as a group, individually, they're good. You keep it tight for the first five, uh, first 20 minutes. Don't concede. And then they concede two horrible. Horrible goals. Uh, don't talk to me about the third. I defend goalkeepers till the cows come home. I cannot defend David here because he's bottled out of a he challenge. He bottled the, it, the, yeah. The, the Maguire has, has left. It's unlike David Okay. But that just tells you individuals are not taking responsibility. And that's not down to the coach. Manchester no, United. but it's happening game after game, Des, isn't this it? This is it. You know, this is it. The, the goal, uh, United are conceding. Um, I think of the 27 goals they've conceded, in Europe and in the Premier League this season. A third of them have happened in the first 20 minutes. Correct. Now, that's, that's a sign of either they're not concentrating, they're not prepared, or they're not good enough. Oh, mass. And, or not, yeah, not prepared well enough. Or they're, they're not so are, prepared. Are you saying, Solskjaer is saying, don't go and play for 20 no. minutes? Are you telling me? Are you suggesting? No, but, but no, 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 no. That's, no, that's yes. far too simplistic. You know it. Don't making it simplistic, <laughs> if you If you're telling your players every week that we've got we to gotta keep it tight, we're playing five at the back, two holding midfielders, and they go out and they do that every week. Every week they let you down. And then every they week... Don't do the that every week. They, the beat, they, 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 they won 5-0. 
in the league, they've, they've come, had comebacks in the last three games. They're, they're, what, what are they? One win off the top of the table? Yes, they're out of Europe. But this is individual player responsibility. And players have got to be held accountable. OK, let, let's just pause there for a sec and, and rewind to the day before, 24 hours before the match. Paul Pogba's agent made the news, didn't he? Saying, oh, he's really unhappy. Uh, he's got to leave. We're going to try and get him out of there in January. Bob, he started on the bench. Um, he's been like that. He's been like that throughout his, his uh, time at Man United. Um, it was a difficult one. Do, would you have started Pogba? No, no. Um, I, uh, I think this problem goes way back. Uh, I mean, I don't think they should have signed him in the first place. I know Fergie wouldn't have done. Um, it's the agent. I don't think Paul Pogba is a is a, a particularly bad lad or a, a troublemaker. I mean, you never hear of any scandal with him. He just doesn't deliver on the field. He only turns in about fifty percent of of, uh, of what his talents can provide. Uh, I mean, he's he's a great player. He, he, well, he has a great great ability. I wouldn't say he's a great player, but he has great ability. This yeah. is the frustrating thing about it. And you feel that the agent is stirring something constantly. This is not the first time. But to do it on the eve of the most important game of the season really smacked of uh, a conniving agent provocateur, uh, which is what Mino Raiola is. Absolutely. And Fergie, Fergie smelt it in their very first meeting. That's why he got rid of Pogba in the first place for uh, a couple of million pounds, realizing his potential, knowing that he was, he was selling a guy who was potentially a superstar off cheap, but he just didn't want anything to do with the agent. But once Ed Woodward decided that uh, the uh, Mino Raiola was too big to ignore, and he wanted some of his players, such as uh, Romelu Lukaku and, uh, Mikitarian and Zlatan, of course, they were all Raiola's players. And he's got about 50 top players on his books. Woodward decided that we have to do business with this guy, you know, even if he is a bad dude. And so he welcomes him back into the fold and Pogba comes back. But they've paid a very high price for this. Yeah, four and a half money, seasons. Four and a half seasons of underperforming from your most expensive player. And do you think 89 million is was the transfer fee? 89 million pounds. But you you add up the loss in well, it's incalculable, isn't it? By underperforming for yeah. four and a half seasons. Yeah. I mean it, it, you're talking hundreds of millions of pounds here. You're talking trophies, not one. Um, it's a shocking situation. And they brought it on themselves. I mean, I can't imagine what Alex Ferguson is saying in private about this situation. All right. We're, we're going we're gonna to touch on United later because we're, with the Manchester derby coming up, a lot to talk about there. Group H was all go in the Champions League. In fact, uh, the other Group H game was not completed. PSG in Istanbul walked off the pitch because of, I'm sure you've read by now, racial slurs from the fourth official. Anyway, they replayed the game on Wednesday. 14 minutes into the game, they started. 5-1 it was to PSG. So they follow 
Um, Leipzig through in Group H. Uh, no other problems for the other English teams. Chelsea won, Krasnodar won. Uh, much changed Chelsea side. Jorginho scored from the spot. Um, I want you to compare Lampard to Solskjaer here, Des. And, I mean, both have had money to spend. Both have brought players in. Lampard's going along nicely. Five clean sheets, I believe, they're going for this weekend. Yeah, they are. Uh, he sorted out the defensive problems, which I think, to be fair to Onigono Solskjaer, he thought it sorted out with Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire, generally, when he was bought, was considered, oh, that's not a bad signing. Maybe not a Van Dijk, but not far off it. It hasn't proven to be that way. Mm. Lindelof is a good player. Some, so partnerships are difficult to judge. They sometimes take time, time to gel. Um, the, the, so the Lampard-Solskjaer thing is very interesting. Look at the league table. Mate. Look at the Premier League table. There's not a lot between them. Uh, United got that game in hand and they can uh, get very, very close to the top. We're barely a third of the way through the season. Um, I think they're two young coaches learning their way. Uh, 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 Ole has... Well, he went 10 straight. His, his teams, other than going into the Europa League, are competing at, at a top level now, despite week after week after week after week conjecture. Frank is still on his honeymoon period to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, and that honeymoon period has been uh, uh, aided by the, the defensive soundness that he's got. You get defensive soundness and everything, everything emanates from that defensive soundness. Do Chelsea have a squad, though, Bob, capable of winning the Champions League this year? Uh, I think they do. Um, I think it's wide open, rather yeah. like the Premier League. I mean, uh, Real Madrid have uh, suddenly woken up, but they're not the force they were. Barcelona are nowhere near. There's no outstanding favourite apart from Bayern, Bayern Munich. I mean, they seem to be head and shoulders above the rest. But, the, um, but I mean, they've only, they've only got to slip up once in the knockout phase. And... Uh, I don't think they're invincible, but I think there are half a dozen teams yeah. that could win it. And I'd, yeah. I'd put Chelsea in amongst them. Okay. Well said, well said. Uh, City uh, are coming good again. Uh, 3-0 against Marseille in Group C. Sergio Aguero came off the bench and scored uh, 10 minutes after being on the pitch. So more on City later when we talk about the Manchester derby. Liverpool wrapped up their Group D, winning it. Uh, of course, they won it before the final game. Mitterlan won, Liverpool won. Interestingly, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Mo Salah played the entire 90 minutes, uh, which I guess they need game time after coming back from injuries. But thankfully, there's no injuries to report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so both are needing game time. As, as you said, and I was reading a report from uh, Jurgen Klopp that says he was continually talking to Mohamed Salah. He wanted him to get through the 90 minutes because he had that COVID uh, break. And Alexander-Arnold is coming back, uh, just ease him into that right-back slot. Um, in a, in a, a game where he's also given a debut to Leighton Clarkson, uh, he's played Diogo Jota in the heart of midfield. Origi and Minamino have got game time. And Simicats as well. And Reese Williams. And Kelleher, who's uh, cemented his position very well. Of course, VAR has its position to play in this game. <laughs> uh, this is the problem. This is the problem. We are now getting used to it. And when people get used to stupid, rubbish, dreadful ideas, they become part of the furniture. And so we're now used to it. And... I don't care whether it's right or wrong. Every time the referee changes his mind, he loses any credibility he has to make 
any decision whatsoever because he's wrong. If he's got it wrong, he's wrong. So what the heck is he doing on the pitch in the first place? And then he's proven to be wrong. So he's embarrassed. And so he will stop taking responsibility. And you'll see this square sign a thousand times a bloody match by the time we come to 2030. <laughs> Sadly. Well, significantly, Klopp um, has changed his tune on it. He, w- he said he was one of the supporters of VAR, as most managers were before, it, uh, before they saw what it was like. And he's changed. Uh, that was the final straw. I think the, um, the disallowed goal for the so-called Mane handball. Um, but he's had a few. Liverpool have had a few this season. Just a few, um, yeah. Rob, Rob, I, I'd say they've, they've been robbed Rob, of a, a Rob minimum four of four points. Absolutely. Cl- absolutely categorically four points, possibly more. They'd be, they'd be four points at, uh, clear at the top of the table if it wasn't for this. I mean, I know there are quibbles about last season. But don't forget, they won it by 18 points last mm, season. Mm. So I don't think you can talk about VAR having a, and, a, a role. And le- le- before, before we leave off Liverpool, the fact that they're supposed to be in the midst of an injury crisis, as we talk, <laughs> they've won practically every game uh, they, they've played, yeah. whether with a shadow squad, with kids or whatever, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, as Klopp has said, the kids have saved their season. Um, I mean, he knew that he had a good crop uh, but he didn't expect to have to use them to this extent. And um, they've been outstanding. And yeah. yet we saw another one, Clarkson, yeah. came on. And Cometio, uh, Cometio. big hopes for Cometio. A very powerfully built lad um, who looks a bit older than uh, 18. He only turned 18 <laughs> just uh, the, other, uh, the other week. Um, and uh, they've got big hopes of him. So they've got people all over the park. You know, they, I mean, the, Curtis Jones is probably a step ahead now. I mean, he's almost a regular. Yeah. Um, and you've got guy, guys just coming back. And I think Klopp has come in for some criticism for his selection here, supposedly undermining his stance on uh, the number of games they've had to play. But, I mean, if you look at it carefully, it was a mix and match operation. Yeah. And, and that's what he's always done. The only time he didn't do that was when he picked the virtual youth team in the uh, Carling Cup, not Carling Cup, the Carabao Cup. Um, but to be fair, the entire team were on another yeah. continent. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. He had no choice in that one. That's the only excuse available. <laughs> yeah. But in other, on other occasions, he's, he's mixed and matched. And Van Dijk played in um, an FA Cup time. Uh, an FA Cup tie um, with a bunch of kids around him. Um, so he, he believes in having experience on hand. And these guys would have said to him, well, we want to play. We can play a half or we can play a half an hour. So although on paper, it, it looks as if he might have undermined his own argument. I, I, I see reasons uh, for it. And he was happy anyway. He was very happy at the end, apart from the VAR, the VAR situation. He was unhappy with that. <laughs> All right. What I'd like to say, if I can, Ross, is uh, Klopp makes a, uh, a mockery of all of those lower team coaches, lower place coaches in the Premier League who say, oh, you, you, we can't trust young players because he coaches players. Yes, he's got a little bit of stardust to, to separate, but you cannot tell me that young players are not able to make that step up. And if Klopp can do it, Sean Flippin Dyche can do it. And <laughs> and you probably won't see a player from from Klopp's team's agent 
mouthing off in the press because I don't think it would be allowed. Wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, all right, that's the Champions League in a nutshell. We'll talk about the Europa League as we preview the other games. We're off for a break. You stay tuned. Back right after this. Has come up with uh, something beyond ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Bob Holmes and Des Corkill here on a Friday evening. Looking forward to match week 12 of the Premier League. Now, it all kicks off with the early Friday game. It is Leeds United in 14th, taking on West Ham United. This one's your 4 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Leeds have one win uh, three defeats in their last five outings. It started very well for them, Leeds, Des. Um, it's kind of petered off a little bit. Uh, they, they're mid-table now. They, they're probably going to be safely mid-table this season. But uh, what was strange was in a press conference on, I think it was Thursday, or it could even have been Wednesday night, uh, Bielsa just came out and gave out his entire starting eleven. He went, right, here's the team. And he just reeled it all off. I, refreshing, this type of management style. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good fun to watch. Uh, we, we, we talk a lot about them and Bielsa's uh, uh, pressing tactics make, make a lot of news. Their home form, though, is pretty, pretty lousy. I think um, they've only won one of their five games at home and they've only scored six goals at Elland Road, which suggests that if they can't get in round the back and the ball for Bamford into space beyond the... the, the the, the opponents, then they struggle to, to, to break teams down. Uh, West Ham won't do anything more. I might have to reassess my uh, uh, thoughts on West Ham because I thought they would drop like a stone. But it looks like David Moyes has got them well organised and they're scoring goals from all over the pitch. Not, it's not just about Antonio. Um, uh, so they're scoring goals from all over the pitch. I can see this one being another really tough one for Leeds because West Ham won't give them that space in behind the, the back five as West Ham use, um, that Leeds seem to thrive on to score goals. They'll be fun to watch, but they're finding scoring goals difficult. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, West Ham, uh, I mean, Bob, it's, it's weird to say that since COVID's affected him, he's been a top manager, David Moyes. Um, you, think, uh, you think that did the trick, do you, COVID? No, no, I, I don't know. It's, just, it's all coincided from since he had to stay at home. <laughs> the results started improving. Even when he came back after COVID, I thought they were, they'd been great, right? Yeah, well, he had more thinking time. Eh? <laughs> um, but he's, uh, no, I think he's got his mojo back, hasn't he? Um, I think he, uh, the, the Man United job uh, did did kind of hit him a bit. Uh, I think he lost confidence there. He didn't do much at uh, Real Sociedad, probably the wrong move, never bothered to learn the language or anything. Um, uh, but uh, West Ham, this West Ham with low expectations. Um, I mean, yeah, Des is not the only one who thought they'd drop like a stone. <laughs> um, I think he's benefited from that. Even their own fans, they didn't want him. Um, but because they're not there to demonstrate against him every match, that's probably helped. He's got a lot, gone along quietly and restoring confidence in the team. They've got some decent players. Declan Rice has emerged, I think, as quite a towering uh, holding midfielder um, in front of the back four or three, whatever it is. 
Um, and uh, he's managed it without his star, Antonio, who's injured again, never really recovered from that hamstring. Uh, but Haller, the much maligned Haller, for whom they paid 40-odd million and was a complete flop, is starting to show his wares, isn't he? Two goals in the last in. three for him. No, now. five. Uh, he scored six or seven this season. Yeah, which was the up and all that. Yeah. Three times as many as he got last season. <laughs> Um, anyway, they, West Ham, I think you can say, I know you were, you were joking about COVID, but I think given the circumstances of David Moyes not being popular with the fans and the fact that there's no atmosphere there now at all, so you don't notice the lack of atmosphere, if you can understand uh, where yeah. I'm coming from, yeah, yeah, I think that's helped West Ham. Um, so they built some sort of team spirit there. And David Moyes is very good at that. He fostered a great team spirit at Everton, uh, you know, siege mentality, that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, very good at set pieces, uh, you know, well-drilled defense. Um, these, are, these are the hallmarks of a David Moyes team. And uh, West Ham have, have done all right. I just hope that if... Um, if crowds come back it, they don't turn on him that, that would be an irony wouldn't it <laughs> it would be an irony uh all, all right uh, as as des mentioned michael antonio he's struggling with a hamstring injury side ben rama signed from brentford could be given his first start by Moyes. he looked actually quite good when he came on as a sub against manchester united uh leeds united you can see their full lineup on any website because it was named uh, luke ailing is going to play at center back rodrigo moreno is going to be a more creative role in front it is your early game or well, it's your friday night game late saturday uh late friday night early saturday morning leeds in 14th west ham in 8th 4 a.m kickoff moving on to crystal palace who are 11th Taking on top of the table, Spurs. This one is Sunday, 10-15. Spurs just came off a, a Europa League win. In fact, they won their group. They beat Antwerp 2-0 with a largely reserved side. Jose knows how to manage his teams, doesn't he, Des? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a Jose supporter, but I'm a big fan, if, if you understand the difference, of, of the way he's able to set up teams. I thought he got a raw deal at Man United, and he's, he's making Tottenham competitive. Um, he's got remarkable stats. I was, I was looking at the, the Tottenham goal scoring, and they score, it's over a third of their goals come very early in games. So... We mentioned this about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer before. Clearly, there is something in the Tottenham setup that really gets them going very early on. It's a phenomenal number of goals that puts them into a winning position that plays into Mourinho's tactics of being able to sit back, give away possession, and then pounce through Kane and, and Son, who, was, who have just shared all the goals amongst them. So, um, so uh, Tottenham looked very interesting. But this, against a horrible Palace side who won't come to attack them, could be the kind of game that they do struggle on because um, if you, it's great if you're hitting on the break, but if you're not able to, again, as I mentioned in, in the early game, West, um, West Ham uh, leads, if you can't get behind the opposition, if Son isn't given that space behind the opposition, you'll probably tank one in from 25 yards. But, but you understand, it's mm. more difficult for Tottenham to play that Mourinho way. So mm. uh, this mm. could be an awkward one for them. First goal, so important in this game. For me, the main difference between Spurs and United, Jose Mourinho, is 
every single player buys into the Mourinho ethos now at Spurs, whereas I don't think Jose ever had that at Man United. Uh, a little look at, at the opposition. Now, Des said they don't score a lot. That, that's, that's a bit cruel on them, Bob, because they hit five last time out, didn't they? Mom, uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> didn't Ben Teke score a couple? No, but I mean, it, that coincided with the return of Zaha. And, and again, he proved how important he is to Crystal Palace. If he's on form, he can actually cause Spurs problems. Yeah, he can. Um, a couple of years ago, Pochettino really wanted to sign him for Spurs, uh, thinking that he he was going to be the you know not the the extra sort of uh, wide player that they needed, um, but uh, it didn't happen. And uh, I but uh, I think he's got the potential to trouble them. Um, I think England missed out when he when he chose yeah. uh, to represent uh, Ivory Coast, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in, you know, he. Um, I think he's a top player, Zaha. Um, don't forget Manchester United signed him. Alex Ferguson's last signing. Um, bit of a story there, wasn't yeah. there? A non-story <laughs> in the end. But never. David Moyes never never really gave him chance didn't work out but he's he's got it and uh, we saw last week a couple of goals and whoever plays it right back for Spurs um, probably Aurier uh, is going to find his work cut out I think in fact I, I wouldn't I wouldn't play Aurier there against Zaha I think I think it's asking for trouble um, but Jose will have it sorted out um, Palace are an awkward side. Every time I, I uh, forecast their result, I get it wrong. Uh, just when I think that, uh, you know, they're going to fade into oblivion, they'll produce a win like last week, you know, 5-1 um, against West Ham, uh, West Brom. Uh, but they, they did okay. And I mean, they've got easy. Yeah. Um, who's a, who's a quite a player, isn't he? Yes, he is. Um, you know, and Ben Teke is actually stirring again after looking as if he'd lost it completely. He did score about 30 goals one season, don't forget. And that's what made Liverpool buy him. Yeah. It's hard to believe he was a, he was a Liverpool striker. He was a goal machine life. once upon a time. He was. Um, and, and you never know. He, he, might, he might start to get it back um, a little bit. So a very awkward, tricky uh, fixture, this. I, I'd feel much more confident if I was a Spurs fan, if I was playing a team, uh, certain teams, anyway, higher up in the table. Because Palace, they just do enough to stay up. And they're, they're real spoilers, aren't they? They but, are. <laughs> um, you know, I think you, you've got to give Roy Hodgson some credit. I mean, I don't know how he does it, quite frankly, but he keeps them up. So he seems to fit there somehow. Uh, after his performance at Liverpool, it's a mystery that he ever got a job again, but uh, he seems to do the job for Palace. He certainly does. Uh, 11th versus top of the table, then Crystal Palace against Spurs is Sunday, 10.15 p.m. Right, we're off for another break. You stick with us, the Manchester Derby, coming up next. We wondered if he'd make a difference. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9.
Hey, thanks for sticking with us. It's uh, Des Corkill and Bob Holmes joining me this Friday evening to uh, preview match week 12 of the EPL season. As usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And we have a YouTube channel up. It is TFIF on video. Do give us uh, a check out, please. Right, on with the previews then. The Manchester Derby, first one of the season, is 6th versus 7th. Um, Sunday, 1.30 a.m. kickoff. If you've given, if you told Man United fans at the start of the season, come the Manchester Derby, Bob, your team will be above City going into the Manchester Derby. I think a lot of United fans will go, yeah, I will take it. But um, looking at this one uh, and knowing how Ole goes into big games... I mean, do you think he'll go into this one defensively? United at home, they aren't great at home this season. So, will he? Is the best mode, uh, is the best way to, to get a result in this game to attack City or, or do they sit back and play on a break? Well, um, Ollie's natural instinct is to attack. But having said that, if he's under pressure, he tends to be a little bit negative. So, uh, I think without a crowd, he, he may um, be rather cautious, but I think if there was a crowd there um, for, a, for a Manchester derby, he, he might just be tempted to go for it. I can just imagine, um, you know, the Stretford end would be in full voice um, as they have been. They spoiled it for City a couple of years ago. Remember yeah. when City were, were trying to win the, um, the, the league? Uh, in about February or something. And, uh, you know, United did them over most unexpectedly. Rashford! Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I think this is coming at the wrong time, really, uh, for United and, and the right time for City. Yeah. I mean, Aguero came back, uh, just tapped in a typical uh, poacher's goal in midweek, uh, just had a little run out and uh, look fairly sprightly. I think he's primed to uh, make a big impact and they've been missing him. I think you can put their absence or um, their relatively small uh, reward of goals this season down to his absence and uh, he's back. Let's hope he can stay um, fit for most of the season. I think with that and City have been gradually improving. The defence looks a bit more solid. So I think City are, are going to be going into this in a very positive frame of mind. Just going back uh, into to what Bob said earlier, Des, um, the fact that there are no fans in the stadium this season, we actually haven't seen a Premier League manager sacking. We're, we're into December now. Right? Um, has it helped managers on the brink more the fact that there haven't been any fans in the stadium? Oh, good, good question. There's been more social media rubbish uh, flying around about managers. There seems everybody seems to have an opinion. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but ooh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Yeah, maybe a, a great example would be David Moyes. Maybe yeah. if, if West Ham... So I, I've got a theory about David Moyes, just uh, deviating for a sec. He's taken all the vaccines for the West Ham fans. He's put them all in himself. He's there. No West Ham fans allowed to go to the games. That's just a nice little conspiracy theory for you. So, David anyway. Moyes, we should call him. <laughs> 
that there's a there's a place in in Brentford not far away in Pfizer, I think. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I, I digress. So, um, so yeah, that it's possibly there. But uh, if there's less pressure, how does that explain Man United's dreadful home form? Because they've only just got that one victory in the league, and they scraped that against West Brom. Uh, would the crowd have actually been able to help them and push push them forward, or would it have been the United fans getting onto the back of of of, uh, of of Man United? I say this because I look at when the goals have been scored. United have scored a phenomenal number of goals late in games. It's over forty percent in the last fifteen minutes. That's eight of their seventeen goals have come in the last uh, eight of their nineteen have come in the last fifteen minutes of games. Uh, so, so is that? Because there's no crowd, or would the crowd have made that an even bigger differential as it, as it sometimes can do if you're chasing? I need to contrast that stat. Manchester City, nearly uh, half of their, sorry, a third of their goals, more than a third, have come in the first half hour of matches. So mm. Manchester City start well, Man United leave it late. Yeah. And there's, there's a real balance. I don't know how it addresses your, your no fans question, but it, it is an interesting one. In this game, the first goal is really, really going to matter. If well, it's City, they'll walk away with it. If it's United, you know, or if United keep it tight, I'd, I'd, I'd begin to hedge my, my bets towards United. I, yeah, it'll probably be City first goal, Bob. It always works out that way, doesn't it? <laughs> well, uh, as I say, with Aguero... No, strangely, uh, Aguero... Um, yeah, Aguero, um, uh, Pep Guardiola, after the, the European game alluded to the fact that Aguero would not start. He, he kind of said that Aguero is not ready to start a full game yet. So we may see him on the bench or it's just part of mind games. Uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, 257 it's... goals he's scored for City, you know. That's phenomenal. 257. And yeah. I wonder how many inside the six-yard box because that goal <laughs> in midweek... I know it's it, they miss that little scrappy little tap yeah, in that James, yeah. uh, James doesn't get, but Aguero just seems to react so quickly. If you just look at his movement in that goal he scored uh, in midweek against uh, Marseille. He's just on the move. It's incredible. Yeah, classic poacher's goal. Um, mm. And not which not uh, every striker scores. Um, I th I thought of the great description about Jimmy Greaves, a name that older listeners might might have recalled. Um, Jimmy Greaves was was like Aguero. Uh, didn't didn't do a lot of running around, but inside the six yard box in particular, he was a great sniffer of goals. And the Times correspondent called him the Fagan of the penalty area. <laughs> So if anybody's read Charles Dickens, you'll know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aguero Kids is a don't read these of, days, Bob, unfortunately. So. Unfortunately, <laughs> but there's somebody out there that will. Yeah. He's the, he's the new Fagan of the penalty area. All right. It is set up nicely for you. Sunday, 1.30 a.m., the Manchester Derby, United versus City. Everton in ninth, take on Chelsea in third. This one's a Sunday, 4 a.m. kickoff. Chelsea, we mentioned earlier, are looking for their fifth win in six matches. They also, uh, clean sheets seem, seem to come easily for Frank Lampard's side these days. They, they're going along nicely. Everton, I was reading an article which said Everton went off the boil largely because James Rodriguez went off the boil. And that was largely because there were long-haul international breaks in that first month or two months of the season. And, and now we might start to see him come good again. Plausible, Des Corkill. 
No, they went off the ball because they were celebrating winning the league after four matches. <laughs> you, you'll never <laughs> let that one go, will you? Eh? <laughs> I, I won't. Uh, so, uh, Calvert-Lewin uh, has taken most of the plaudits for the number of goals he scored. But uh, I, I think Richarlison and Rodriguez as a pairing, that makes it... If only one of them is there, you can snuff out that danger. If they're both there, prompted by the midfield, Gomez, I think, is, is very underrated. Even Sigurdsson, when he gets time to create chances. But Richarlison, uh, Richarlison and um, um, uh, Rodriguez, they make Everton a much bigger goal threat. And Calvert-Lewin will poach within the six-yard box. Strikers' goals. So you take one of them out, and I think Everton are much reduced. But an, an interesting hypothesis. Um, Everton are better than the position that they are. They yeah. should be giving Chelsea a really, really tough game. Looking forward to this. This could be a humdinger. This is the kind of game that needs a crowd. I imagine yeah. Goodison full. Oh. A- absolutely. Um, Richardson is, is a weird one, Bob. Um, Everton's stats without him, I think they haven't won since they've signed him when he's not played, which is crazy. Uh, considering his goal return and assist return, isn't that great if you look at it? But he, he brings a lot more to this Everton side, doesn't he? he yeah, he certainly does. And uh, yeah, I agree with uh, what Des has said there. And I think Hamis Rodriguez is a quality player. There's no question about that. He can look a little bit delicate. And, you know, when you get stories about him not liking the travelling, he was also blowing into his hands last week at Turf Moor. Um, it, at least he didn't wear gloves. Give him that. But um, he, uh, yeah, I think he's got to realise that this, this can be a, a different proposition in the Premier League in England with the cold weather. In, uh, when you get into December, you get a, you've got about seven games in December, followed by another seven or eight in January. And the wind blows and it's um, it's probably a different climate to anything he's played in before. I mean, he was in Germany, but they have a winter break and he didn't play much anyway. Um, he played in Spain and, of course, Colombia. Um, I mean, some South American players do find it different, uh, difficult to adjust. I mean, they're coming from a different continent, a totally different climate, and they do have a lot more traveling to do than anybody else. And um, I think I think you have to cut them a little slack there. But I think under the stewardship of Carlo Ancelotti, he'll know what to do. And I think he'll get the best out of uh, Rodriguez. I think we're going to see him adapt to this uh, these circumstances because he has got the quality. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, with careful tutelage and good quality teammates around him, I think, you, I think he'll flourish. So I think it's only been a blip. Uh, I mean, the, you get back to the old thing about uh, form being temporary, class being permanent. Well, he's got class, no question about it. Yeah. And, and the top players do adapt. So a lot to come. And, and as Des, Des already said, it's going to be a cracker, this one. 4 a.m. kickoff, Everton ninth against Chelsea third. Off for another break. You stay tuned back with Liverpool, Leicester and more next. Lovely football. Speed of that passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead, a picture for goal and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. 
And we are back. That's Corkill, Bob Holmes, and myself, Ross, looking forward to Fulham in 17th, taking on second place Liverpool. Uh, this one's uh, Monday, half past midnight kickoff. Jurgen Klopp's men are unbeaten in their last seven Premier League fixtures. They are in the midst, supposedly, of an injury crisis. I mean, we, we've we've talked about uh, Liverpool in the European games. There's how how well they've they've blended in the youth, and and Klopp even gave Salah and Trent Alexander Arnold full ninety minutes um, in, in midweek. So if they break down knackered, Klopp's going to take the blame this weekend, yeah? No, not really. He only played uh, he only played three who have all, all been out injured. So Fabinho was out injured for a while. Salah been out injured. Trent Alexander Arnold been out injured. So this is this is kind of a comeback trail uh, for them. I thought I I personally thought it was a very sensible team selection. But then again, I I don't think Jurgen Klopp can do any wrong in any stretch of the imagination. Anyone who criticises, you've got me to answer to. But, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> but this is a potentially little awkward one because I think Fulham are an improving team. I still expect them to be really struggling, but they showed in their comeback loss against Everton and a little bit last week almost against Man City where I thought they were a little bit hard done by. Not with the first goal, but the, the penalty. Oh, mm. The penalty is just so rubbish. Um, and I thought Fulham played reasonably well. So I think they're a much improved team. They're beginning to find a little bit of confidence at, uh, at this level. At home, if there were fans again, it's very different. At home might cause a, a problem to Liverpool. But Liverpool's form is, is, is really, really good. They just yeah. swatted Wolves away. Wolves yeah. was a really, really tough game. And they swatted them away. Um, uh, and, and they'd swatted Leicester away uh, and, and they won at Ajax and other than that Atalanta defeat where again it was half a team and uh, the injustice to Brighton they're, they're, they're just incredible and they've not even played at 70% of their capacity yet and they've got players to come back so it'll be a major shock if Fulham do win but you know first goal first goal makes a, a big difference Fulham, the fact that Fulham won at Leicester has, 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 has given them a bit of hope, I think. But this is a massive ask. Looking at this Liverpool side, Bob, and with January coming up, is there a signing that you think Klopp should make or could make that would guarantee them the title and the Champions League double this year? Is there a player out there? Well, there are no guarantees, as you know. Um, I mean, I think it looked as if uh, they would have to make a signing when uh, Gomez yeah. was, was injured. Um, but uh, what's happened since then, with Fabinho coming back, Matip managing to stay fit for quite a few games, and youngsters uh, being tried and doing well, uh, that uh, urgency is not there any longer. I mean, if they've lined somebody up, which they may have done, uh, perhaps they were thinking of terms of buying somebody in the summer, long term, but uh, they they could have brought it forward for January or something like that. That's possible. They'll have a list of players. Michael Edwards is the is the man whose his judgment has has proved absolutely spot on. They they haven't hardly bought a dud for years and this has been a major Who would have thought eh? a sporting director doing his job would work who would have thought quietly yeah. as well <laughs> quietly yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I can think of a club who name escapes me at the moment, <laughs> but they don't have one. And, sure. Uh, and I think it shows. Um, no, I, uh, I don't know. They, they may well, they may still buy somebody in, mm. um, in January. But as I say, it, it's probably somebody that they were always going to get that they've been looking at for a long time because that's how they do their business. They've got somebody lined up. He would if fit the them club, all, yeah. Yeah, if the selling price is becomes extortionate, as the the club realizes they need you know bodies, um, they they probably won't buy. They, they'll say no, just as they didn't get uh, Timo Werner, for example, um, even though they paid almost as much for Diego Jota uh, just just afterwards. But um, if they say no, they they'll they won't buy because they've these these kids have done a remarkable job yeah i mean the big test will is still to come i mean you've got uh the fa cup coming into it you've got um the run-in for the title and then you've got the business end of the champions league you've got all that to consider and we, we you know what the fixture congestion can be like towards the end of a season and if someone else were to get injured um they could still be struggling and it's going to be a big ass to to expect um, someone like uh, Williams or Phillips to play a run of games in the Champions League, you know, quarterfinals against Bayern Munich or something like that mm. later on. That that would be a big ask. So it could it could be that they'll they'll get somebody. Yes. Okay, it's a big ask for Fulham. That is for sure. Seventeenth place, second. Monday, half past midnight, that one kicks off. Leicester in fourth take on 16th place Brighton. Monday, 4 a.m. kickoff. Uh, since being promoted to the Premier League in 2017, Brighton have failed to beat Leicester in six attempts. Uh, Leicester, well, they're coming off a Champions League win. They uh, beat Le- uh, Athens 2-0. Cengiz Under and Harvey Barnes with the goals for them. We've always said that Brendan Rodgers, um, he's, he's, I don't know, maybe found exactly the right club for him to shine. Uh, you see Leicester are challenging. They're up near the top. They're in the Europa League, qualified for the next round, no problems. Um, they're set to have a good season here, even uh, what, after 10, 11 games gone here, Des. They are having a good season, and I think you uh, do Brendan Rodgers a big disservice. He wasn't too shabby at Liverpool. So I think, uh, and he wasn't too bad at Celtic either, where he took them to, uh, well, you're seeing the difference a good coach with Celtic makes. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, compared to Neil Lennon, it's chalk and cheese. Um, And Rodgers, they they suffer the odd strange defeat. That defeat against Fulham was a a strange one, wasn't it? And they struggled in the Europa League against Braga and Zoira, although the job had been done by then. They scraped past Sheffield United yesterday. Incidentally, I hope the corner flag's okay. Um, <laughs> Read Jamie Vardy at gmail.com. So, so they're, you know, they're on a mini, mini slump. Uh, not a slump, but, but they're just going off the boil a little bit. But they play nice football. They play it in the right way. Uh, I, I think defensively, they're not as sound as they might be. I think you can get at Leicester. Um, and Bardi that perhaps over-reliant upon for, for those late goals. But yeah, they're, they're competitive. They'll be there or thereabouts in mm. that race for the Europa League. Maybe even the Champions League if they can get some real consistency going. 
Yeah, yeah. They, and don't forget, they, they have got players out as well, as Brendan Rodgers often points out. Uh, and, and a lot of them uh, come in defence. Okay, uh, the opponents, Brighton, 16th there, Bob. If, if you've seen any Brighton this season, and a lot of us have, have seen quite a lot of Brighton, you'll be surprised at that 16th place because that they're, they're not 16th. They're, they're much better than that. Yeah, they don't score enough, do they? I think yeah. that's, that's their problem. Um, I mean, they're a nice organized side, play some tidy stuff, uh, don't concede that many goals, but they just don't score enough. Um, I think that Graham Potter has done a very good job there. Um, they're more attacking minded than, than they were under Chris Hewton um, by far, but the finished product is not quite there. Just about enough to stay up as they did last season. But I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't go and buy somebody in the January transfer window, actually. Well, they need a centre forward, don't they? Yeah, I mean, so many clubs do. But they, I think they do more than, more than most, actually, well, because they seem, they seem reasonably solid um, elsewhere. Um, so it's just that, that final, you know, the, just putting the ball in the net, the old, the old thing. They are, that's what they're lacking. Danny Welbeck's probably got three more appearances in him before the uh, hamstring twang. <laughs> I'm being cruel. I'm being cruel. No, um, Leicester against Brighton is fourth against 16th. It is your Monday 4 a.m. kickoff. Some of the other ties, Wolves against Aston Villa is 10th versus 12th. This is your early Saturday game. Uh, Wolves mid-table, they, they've... They've sold a lot of players, and also with Raul Jimenez out, they need some of their players to step up there. Now, Newcastle, West Brom is 13th against 19th. All the press I'm reading, gentlemen, states that one more loss for Slaven Bilic, and it is the heave-ho. Newcastle could actually inflict quite a bad one on West Brom this weekend, Des. Uh, yeah, West Brom, I, I think their, their luck, their season is typified by another VAR travesty that they suffered last week. The game's won all, finally poised against Crystal Palace. Midfielder gets sent off for something completely innocuous uh, that the referee's seen. He's called over to the VAR red card, changing the game completely, and they capitulate. Um, I don't know what West Brom board of directors expected this year. Um, maybe they expected more from Slavin Village. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that he's just defended, uh, so I'd, 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 I'd get rid of him purely for that, but I'm not a fan of getting rid of, of boards. I don't know who they'd bring in to mm. really improve things. So, um, I, I, as you know, I'm, I'm dead against the hiring and firing of managers in, in, in mid-season, but uh, the papers are normally right. It's like VAR. It's here to stay. The speculation's here to stay. So, one more defeat and probably Slavon Village is going to disappear, come back in six months as manager of Crystal Palace or Bolton or, you know, uh, a team who, uh, not, not Bolton, they're struggling. But, you know, Sites. a team who, yeah. a team, one of the yeah. yo-yo teams. Well, so you I, have to ask yourself what uh, the board of West Brom actually want. Yeah. I mean, Correct. and who is going to do a better job? with those players than Slaven Bilic. Yeah. I mean, he knows them. He brought them up from the, uh, from division, the uh, championship and they hardly signed anybody. So they're the same uh, batch of players he has had. He knows them very well. And it's to be expected that mm. in a higher 
grade of football, they're going to struggle. So sacking him, I, I just don't know what they, they would achieve unless they give the new guy a load of money. Well, why not why? give Slavon Bilic the load of money then? You know, if they're going to do that, he knows what they need. So it, it doesn't make any sense at all to sack all him right. now. Well, side note, uh, Big Sam Allardyce has been doing the rounds on, on talk shows and, and stuff. So yeah, watch this space. You heard it here first. <laughs> Short Newcastle- of a few bobbers in. <laughs> Newcastle West Brom Saturday, 11 o'clock. Southampton Sheffield United Sunday, 8 p.m. Arsenal Burnley is a bottom of the table battle. It is 15th versus 18th. And it is Monday at 4 a.m. That's it. Hopefully we've set your weekend up for you. I've got to say thanks to Des Corkill. And we got through without mentioning Ronaldo versus Messi in the Champions League. I know. Incredible. That proves there's a lot of football still to go. There is only one goat. Thank you, Bob Holmes. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. And thank you guys for listening. See you Monday. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.